you meet when you're walking down the street. They're the people that you meet each day. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. We are excited to be continuing our Love Where You Live series as we think about loving our neighbor as we love ourselves and taking the Great Commandments seriously. We are asking the question, who are the people in your neighborhood? Do you know their names? How can you love your neighbor when you don't know who they are? But we do first want to acknowledge that it is Mother's Day, and I just uh, want to share there was... There was an usher out front, and he was being approached by, by an older woman one Sunday morning. And as she got closer, he prepared himself, you know, got the bulletin ready to hand it to her, and offered his arm to walk her inside and said, Ma'am, where would you like to sit? And she said, I want to sit in the front row. And they get about halfway down the aisle, and he stops, and he says, How about right here, ma'am? And she says, I don't think you heard me. I said I want to sit in the front row. And he says, Ma'am, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but... I don't think you want to sit in the front row. Our preacher is really boring, and there's a really good chance you're going to fall asleep. And she looks at him and goes, do you know who I am? I'm the pastor's mother. And he says, do you know who I am? And she says, no. And he says, good, I'm out of here. (laughs) We all love our mothers. We love that they stand up for us. uh, But we also want to acknowledge all those in our lives, all the women in our lives who are not our mother, but they love us with a motherly kind of love. And we have plenty of women here who love on our children in our children's ministry. They love the children in our neighborhoods. They love the children in our community. And even though they don't have children of their own, uh, they demonstrate that motherly love to each and every one of us. So we celebrate all of the women here at River Rock Bible Church this morning. Um, but I'm blessed to have my own mother here with me and uh, to be celebrating with her. Uh, there was a, a man at the uh, border who was a security agent, and his job was to watch all the vehicles that came through. And if there was anything suspicious, it was his job to flag them aside and then search the vehicle and figure out what was going on. And this, this man had been doing his job for a number of years. In fact, he was in his last year before retirement, and he was really looking forward to retirement. But that one day during the last year of his retirement, a truck pulls up, and he can't quite figure out what's going on, but he knows, just from all his, his experience, he knows that something's fishy with this truck. He realizes that something is going on, so he flags the truck, has it pulled aside. They start going through everything. They're opening everything. They're pulling out wheel wells, and they find nothing. And they put the driver back in his truck and say, well, we didn't find anything. We've got to let you go. And sure enough, a few days later, the same driver comes back through. And the guy knows that something is going on, and he can't figure it out. And every single time that this man comes through the stop over the next year, they stop him, they pull his car apart, they find nothing, they put it back together, and they send him on his way. And finally, it gets to be the the security guard's last day. And this truck comes through one more time. The driver comes through, and he flags him down, and, and the other guys are searching the vehicle, and he pulls the guy aside, and he says, look, this is my last day. I'm getting ready to retire. I know you're doing something wrong. I don't know what it is. And frankly, I don't care anymore. But if I don't find out what it is, it's going to drive me crazy for the rest of my life. I'm going to be sitting there in retirement wondering what went wrong. I got to know. I'm not going to turn you in. I promise you won't get in any trouble. Just tell me, what is it that you're smuggling? And the guy looks at him and says, trucks. (laughs) You ever feel like you're missing the obvious? You ever feel like you're missing the obvious? And and I think as Christians, we can relate to that because there is one great commandment that Jesus gives us to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves, and yet so often we miss it. 
We go about our lives and we try to do anything and everything we can to reach every man, woman, and child with the gospel, to evangelize the people in our lives where we live, work, and play. We do everything except the one thing that God has called us to do, which is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we miss the obvious thing that Jesus calls us to do. What difference could we make if we would just obey the great commandment? As, as Jesus says, love your neighbors as yourself, it's as if he's saying, look, just go next door and love them and serve them and have fun with them and pray with them. And as you do this, as you build this relationship, as you lean into that relationship over time, over time you'll have the opportunity to share my love with them that you would be able to reflect that love that you have received from God himself if we would simply take it seriously. Now, last week, uh, we looked at the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. We looked at Matthew chapter 22. And what we said is that every single one of us, every single person has been created in the image and likeness of God and therefore, believer and unbeliever alike, have the ability to receive God's love through faith in Jesus Christ, but also to reflect God's love. And we talked about how when we receive those as recipients of God's love, those who've trusted in Jesus Christ, we go into our neighborhoods and we begin to love our neighbors. We go to work and we begin to love the people that work with us and we love them in this way. We begin to show them the love of Christ that usually what happens is they begin to reflect it back towards us. And there's a great joy that we experience through that. And even when they don't, there's something that happens within us as we know that we are sharing the love of Christ with the people around us. The command that we have is not meant to make us more busy. I think some people hear the command to love your neighbor as yourself and you think, I just can't do that because I don't have enough time. Well, God is not adding one more thing to your plate. God is not the one who made you busy. You did that on your own. God is simply, to ask, is simply asking you that as you go about your day, as you go about your life, that you would love the people that he puts into proximity to you. And I think there's a great challenge that comes along with that. And the challenge is, it's easy to love people who are like us, isn't it? Can we just be honest about that? Typically, we want to hang out with people that share the same values we do. They talk like we do. They think like we do. Sometimes they vote like we do. And those are the people that we tend to find ourselves hanging around. But what do we do with the neighbor who doesn't believe like we do? With the neighbor whose lifestyle may be different than ours? Or they don't talk the way we do and they don't behave the way we do? How do we apply the great commandment to them? Because what the world says, the world says that you just need to be tolerant of them, that we should just tolerate them. Now the Latin word tolerance uh, or the word tolerance actually comes from the Latin word that simply means to endure or to bear. So the idea of tolerance is that you would simply put up with other people. That you would simply put up with other people. John F. Kennedy, one of our great presidents, said it this way. He said, tolerance implies no lack of commitment to one's own beliefs. Rather, it condemns the oppression or persecution of others. Yet what we see today is that Tolerance has become so politicized, and I want to let you know that this is not a political message. This is a personal message. This is about how you personally interact with the people that God has placed you around. And I think there's, there's uh, 
something that I'm going to say that before you say amen, just hear me out. The Bible does not call us as Christians to tolerance. Now, before you say amen, I want to let you know that what the Bible does call us to is something much more difficult and much more higher. While the Bible doesn't call us to tolerance, it does call us to grace. Something that is much more difficult for us to live out. Grace is a much higher calling. In fact, I I would say that it's supernatural. It transcends us. It has to come through the power of God into our own lives because in and of ourselves, we don't have the ability to extend grace to the people around us. Now, the difference between tolerance and grace is simply this. Tolerance says, I'll put up with you. If you just go over here and do your thing, then I will stay over here and do my thing. And I will just essentially ignore you. Whereas grace is different. Grace says, I care about you enough to enter into the messiness of your life, even though I don't understand it, I don't agree with it, even though it makes me uncomfortable and at times I get offended, I love you enough to stay in a part of your life. And no matter how much you try to push me away or how much you try to insult me, I'm here. I'm committed to this relationship because I know that it's only by staying in this relationship that I have opportunity to demonstrate the love of God to you. And I think this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5. If you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. And the first thing I want us to see is that the world asks for tolerance, but Jesus calls us to something much higher. Jesus calls us to grace. And we're going to see that as we read through this passage. Start with me, Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. You have heard it said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. For the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What we see here is that Jesus is calling us to grace. Jesus is calling us to something that is way, way bigger than simply tolerating, putting up with someone's behavior when we don't agree with it. Jesus is calling us into grace, and too often we don't give people grace. John Burke, in his book, No Perfect People Allowed, records a couple thoughts from uh, a man named Gordon McDonald. Gordon McDonald says it this way, the world can do almost anything as well or better than the church. You don't have to be a Christian to build houses, to feed the hungry or heal the sick. There is only one thing the world cannot do. It cannot offer grace. And Burke goes on to say this, he says, But if you interview people on the street, few, if any, associate Christianity or the church with anything closely resembling grace. What they feel is law, what they feel is zero tolerance, judgment, condemnation. Why doesn't the church utilize its greatest asset? Though the world cannot offer grace, in its absence, it has found a cheap substitute. Tolerance does not value people, but simply puts up with their behavior or beliefs. Tolerance alone cannot accommodate both justice and mercy. It can simply look the other way. 
God far exceeds the requirements of mere tolerance. He restrains his judgment and even showers unworthy people with grace. Grace is what we are called to. It says that we are to love our enemies. We are to love our enemies, and too often what we see in the world is that when we come across someone that we would call our enemy, what we do is we isolate ourselves from them. We just say, I'm going to go do my own thing, or we do what, what the world expects, which is that we respond in kind, that we would seek to destroy them. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here. He says, look, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him also the other. If they take your shirt, give them also your coat. If they force you to go one mile, go with them too. Now there's a lot taking place here. What you have to understand is that Jesus is living in a society that is just as litigious as our very own society. Right? You thought all these lawsuit-happy people were unique to our generation, but it's been taking place throughout the world for a long time. And I, I think people read this and they, they get a little bit confused. They think, well, does this mean that I don't have the right to stand up for myself? That's not what Jesus' point is here. When Jesus says, if someone strikes you on the one cheek, offer them the other, and then he says, when, if they take your shirt, that you would offer your coat as well. Now, you have to understand, in Jesus' day, they only had two garments. They had an undergarment and an outer garment. So if someone takes your undergarment and you offer them your outer garment, what are you wearing? Is Jesus saying we should walk around naked with our face all bruised up? Not by any means. No, what Jesus is saying is that when someone insults you, rather than responding in kind the way the world would have you respond, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, rather than simply tolerating them and saying, you can take my shirt and go stand over there. Jesus says, no, you be prepared to lean in to that relationship. And you say, you've, you've, you've insulted me, you've offended me, you've attacked me, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm invested in this relationship because I love you. I'm going to extend grace to you. And he calls us to do that because that is exactly what our Heavenly Father has done for us. He's extended grace to us even when we didn't deserve it. Even when we didn't deserve it. He extends that grace. He calls us beyond tolerance. Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says this. It says, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. And here's the thing. John Burke says tolerance is cheap. Tolerance is cheap. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. It comes with a price. It comes at a cost. When you lean into that relationship, it will cost you something. You may be on the end of receiving more and more insults. You may be more and more offended as they live out their lifestyle in front of you. But grace calls us to continue to pursue that relationship because that's exactly what God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, that we could be saved, our sins forgiven, simply by believing, putting our trust in Jesus Christ alone. It's a free gift, but it wasn't cheap. It cost God the life of his one and only son. And if God is willing to go as far as to forgive our 
crimes, our sin against Him, how much more ought we got, ought to go to forgive the people in our lives that simply insult us? Or they talk bad about us behind our back. Rather than being in the office and that person who started the gossip about us, instead of going and starting our own rumor about them or gossiping about them, what kind of change would it bring to the world if we began to, ex- to extend grace to them and we were the one who brought them their coffee just the way they like it? For that neighbor that drives us crazy, they're playing their music late at night, how much different would it be if we were the one who went over and actually talked to them rather than call the police or started a, a, a fight on Facebook and said, hey, someone needs to call the HOA and tell so-and-so at this address to go pull their garbage cans in. What if we actually just walked down the street and said, hey, I noticed your garbage cans are still out. I just wanted to make sure everything's all right. Are you okay? Or the neighbor that calls the HOA on us when our garbage cans are out, yet we extend grace to them by helping them out in their time of need, perhaps mowing their yard when the grass gets a little bit high rather than responding in kind or just saying, you know what, they harmed me, so I'm just going to stay in my house and ignore them and let them do their own thing. We have to enter into their world, enter into their life, because that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what Jesus has done for us, and we have to remember at all times that there is no love in tolerance. There is no love in tolerance as I was talking with a friend this week, he said, you know, I think it's important that one of the things you do is, is you really define uh, how these two views, grace and tolerance, how they define love. Love in tolerance simply says, hey, uh, I know this isn't good for you, but you like doing it, so I'm just going to let you do it. Whereas grace says, I know that you think you enjoy this, but this is not good for you. And I'm invested in you so much that I'm willing to walk alongside of you until you understand that there's something better. Until you understand that God has something for you. I've heard it explained this way. How many of you, if you saw someone grabbing what they thought was a cookie, but it was actually rat poison, right? You know it's rat poison. You saw them take it out of the box and they're getting ready to eat it thinking that it's a cookie. And you say, don't eat that. It's rat poison. Oh, no, it's a cookie. I'm just going to eat this cookie. Don't eat that. It's rat poison. How many of you would just say, oh, well, you think it's a cookie. It must be a cookie. You can eat it. You'll be fine. No. You'd slap it out of their hand. You would walk with them and say, all right, give me the cookie, all right, and let me show you where you got this cookie from and how harmful it would be if you continue to eat this cookie. We have to be willing to enter into those lives, and it will be costly. It will be costly. And that's the second thing I want us to see is this, that what you lose will be rewarded by the gaining of a new identity. Because in reality, when you extend grace to people, when you lean into those who have insulted you, who have harmed you, who have spread rumors about you, and instead of just walking away from the relationship, when you give them grace and you lean in in a way that demonstrates the love of God, you will continue to be insulted. You will continue to feel pain. And there will be loss there. But what you lose will be rewarded through the gaining of a new identity. Let's continue to look at our passage this morning. He says this 
in verse 45, he says, So that you will be sons of your Father in heaven, for he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Right there, he indicates that if you simply do what the world does to you, if you respond in kind, what reward will you have? He's implying that there is a reward when we respond in a way that honors God. He says, don't even the tax collectors do that. And if you greet your, only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now let's talk about this last phrase right here. He says, be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now the idea is not that we would be sinless. That's impossible. But the word perfect that's used there in the original language simply means to be complete or to be mature. And it's the idea that as we extend grace to the people around us, as we respond the way that God has responded to us, that we begin to take on the character of God and we begin to reflect the character of God to the world around us. And we make a powerful statement to them about whose we are. That we are a child of God. You see, Jesus mentions that there's a reward. In fact, if you jump back up to Matthew earlier in chapter 5, verse 11, he says, Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. And here's the reality. I think most of us hear that and we think, oh, that's great for when I get to heaven. But what about now? What about today? Jesus, this is really hard. I need, some, I need something here. And I think Jesus is, is letting us know that there is a reward in heaven, but there's also a reward for us today. And that reward is this, that as we begin to reflect the character of God, as we begin to respond in kind, Jesus says that you will be children of God. You will be sons of God, that we will begin to take on his character and his qualities And it will make such a difference in our own lives, even when the world continues to persecute us. Even when the world continues to hate us and insult us. As we take on that character, here's what I think it does. I think it brings an awareness of our own sinfulness and our own rejection of God at times. And it brings a greater appreciation for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our own lives. And we begin to see the people around us the same way that God sees us with an unconditional love, that our greatest desire is nothing more than that they would come to know Jesus Christ himself and receive that forgiveness and experience the ultimate grace that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We understand that that we're going to lose something, but we get to gain a new identity. And God's desire, I, I think most of us think about salvation and we think about what happens when we die, what happens when the world ends, But the reality is that God has so much that he wants you to experience today. He says, be perfect, be complete. The idea of complete is not lacking in anything. That as you take on that character of God, that you would not lack anything. Because you would know what it's like to be able to extend grace, to love someone unconditionally. And how amazing is it when we have the opportunity to see that person finally get a hold of what we've been offering to them. 
and they finally come to a point where they understand and they stop and they say, I have been mean to you. I have cursed at you. I have thrown stuff at you. I have called the police on you. I have done all these things to you, yet you continue to pursue me in this relationship. And you keep talking about this Jesus guy, and I don't know what is wrong with you, but I think it has something to do with this Jesus guy that you're always talking about. I think there must be something to this this God that you're always talking about. Tell me, how can I have what you have? How can I have the peace that you have? How can I have the calm that you have? To be able to receive that kind of insult. And God opens the door for us to share the, the good news of Jesus Christ with the people around us. Don't be, don't be deceived. It will be costly. It will be costly, but the reward is great. Jesus encourages disciples. He says, look, if someone asks you to go one mile, go with them too. Go with them too. Be willing to go above and beyond. Don't respond the way the world expects you to respond. Don't even respond with tolerance. What I'm calling you to give is grace because that's what God has given to you. My question to us this morning is this. Are, are, are you willing to go the second mile? Are you willing to go beyond tolerance, staying inside your house, just ignoring the people around you, letting them do what's comfortable for them so that you can do what's comfortable for you? Are you willing to move beyond that and to accept the challenge that Jesus lays down for us to extend grace to the people around us, to enter into their lives, to get your hands a little messy at times, to walk away with a few bruises and scrapes, knowing that you are showing the love of Christ to the world around you. Are you willing to do that? The second thing I want to I encourage you is this, that you can only extend the grace of God after you have received it yourself. The first step in, in extending an unconditional love to the world around you is receiving that grace for yourself. And I want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and you're not certain, if you've ever put your trust in Christ or you're not sure what that means, that our elders are going to be standing in the back by the connection table. And we would love for you to go back there and stand with them, ask whatever questions you have. They would love to pray with you. Because it begins by starting that relationship with Jesus Christ and then every single day being renewed over and over again by the grace of God. Starting each day saying, Lord, today I commit to following after you. Lord, I want to honor you. It's a free gift that he gives. Free gift. But we have the pleasure of coming alongside of him and turning around and reflecting the grace that he's given us to the world around us. Are you willing to go the second mile? Are you willing to go the second mile? In order to go the second mile, you have to take the first step. This morning, as we move to our take two, uh, take two is just a time where we like to give you an opportunity to stop and reflect on what God is saying to you this morning. Maybe he said something to you through this message. Maybe uh, there's something that he said through the song or through a passage that you read this morning. We just want you to reflect on what God is saying to you today. And you'll look in your bulletin and it says, I will. Uh, underneath, it says, what are you going to do about it? I will. Because of what God is saying to me today, this week, I will. We want to encourage you to take that next step. We'd also like to offer you in the back, our elders that are in the room are going to make their way to the back. 
They'll be standing by the connection table. And perhaps this morning, you would just like to pray for that person in your life that's difficult to love. Maybe there's a coworker, a classmate, or a neighbor that you're really struggling to love the way Christ calls us to love them. And you would say, man, I, I just need prayer for my, myself and for my neighbor. Maybe you're just having a rough week and you'd like someone to pray with you. Or perhaps you would like to find out how you can know for sure that you'll spend eternity in heaven with God when you die. And we'd love to talk to you about beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. But this time, we just encourage you to take two.